Hey, you guys, it's Miss Beth. And today we are talking about correcting kids, reading logs, and how to redirect. A mom asked me recently, well, she said, I know that you are like, let them enjoy reading, but I make them read aloud to me. And she was talking about her second grader. Um, and I said, oh, I want them to get their reading done too and enjoy it. So I'm going to share with you a couple of the small shifts that I um, helped her make in our last coaching session. And um, her other follow-up question was, how do we correct kids when they are more susceptible to rejection and feel overwhelmed and then just shut down? Um, she was like, I feel like you're going to say, just let them spell words incorrectly or let them do what they want. And I was like, oh no, 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 no. This reminded me of, I don't know if you're on this side of the internet, but gentle parenting gets a bad rep because people are misusing it. And then I was like, oh no, people are mishearing my mission and we can have correction and connection with kids. It's just a shift in how we're doing it. So let's dive in, shall we? So we want to make sure that kids are growing as readers, right? We want to make sure that they are doing everything they need to do. And a lot of times the thing we might think we need to do is to give them a reading log or to say, you have to read for 20 minutes every day. Yes. Reading for 20 minutes a day is great and helpful. However, it's not great and helpful at the expense of number one, your relationship with your child. And number two, your child's relationship to reading. If they are doing it, kicking and screaming, it is not going to be helpful. So don't worry, I'm not just going to tell you what not to do. I'm going to tell you what I recommend instead. And you guessed it, hot takes only. I absolutely despise reading logs. There, I said it. I'm just kidding. I've said it a lot before. I'm not a fan of reading logs. And that is because it teaches kids, in my experience, some kids love reading logs. That's great. If your kid loves reading logs, keep doing it. I'm going to tell you some alternatives that I use. I have used them before. If, if a child really loves to keep track of their what they're reading, excellent. I love to keep track of what I'm reading. I love to look back at all the books I've read. I like to be able to say, I read this many minutes this year, but that's because I'm a grown-up and I know that I'm challenging myself and I like to look back at my results, but it looks a little different for a lot of kids. So yes, 20 minutes a day is the goal, but a couple things I want you to think about. Number one, I don't like to make kids read out loud past a certain age because think about it. How often are you reading out loud? Do you, when you want to go sneak away and read your book, are you going to feel like so excited to read it out loud, to have someone listening to you to make sure that you say every word correctly and quiz you on that book every page? and make you feel like you're not really reading it, prove it to me. Prove it to me that you read it. How quickly would that suck the joy out of reading for you? For me, it would take almost all of it away. But maybe you're different. 
of course, there's a time and a place for discussion. This is not don't do this. This is here's how to do it better. So like most grownups, I feel like I talk to, I am in a book club. And that is when I get to talk about the book. And there's a difference between talking about the book and proving to my friends that I understood the book the best. Of course, there's going to be a little bit of that, but think about when your child is reading to themselves. So this is for older kids, you know, first, second, third grade parents. Think about how to shift from quizzing them. So whether that looks like having them read out loud to you or asking them to summarize each page to having a discussion about what they're reading. I always recommend that parents read the same thing as their kids and you know, you can get it on audiobook. I know everybody's really busy and and have have like a little book club with your kids if they're able to. You know, maybe once a week you talk about the book. So we're shifting from proving to an adult, so an external source that we're reading and then we're not really teaching kids to look inward and be intrinsically motivated, which is another reason I don't like reading logs. We want kids to want to learn and to realize like that it is so fun and it is a privilege to read and that actually reading is one of like the greatest things in the world because you need to do it. You need to be able to read to do basically anything, but also there's so many stories that you can escape to and get lost in. It's one of the best things you can do for your brain, even as an adult. And this is something that is so hard for me because I'm like so efficiency focused. I feel like that I'm, I, it's really hard for me to read fiction for fun. I always want to be reading textbooks and, you know, working. And so it is a practice uh, for me to read fiction because it's one of the best things that you can do for your brain to get lost in a storyline. And that's different than, you know, getting lost in a TV show, but getting lost in a story is like does amazing things for your brain. So we want kids to get to have that experience too. So think about how to set them up for that life. You know, is it going to be that they look to you for their praise that they're doing a good job because you read that they checked it off, that they read out loud? No, it's not going to last very long if that's what it is, because you're not always going to be there. They're going to go to college. They're going to be grownups. They're they're not going to have you next to them in the rest of their classes. Um, so I say beyond, unless you're really working on a reading lesson, I don't make kids read out loud because it really takes away a lot of the fun. Find a different way to see what your child knows. One of the things I recommended to this second grade mom was to do a journal to each other. So it's summer and he was going to a day camp And so she said that she likes to have him write about his day at summer camp. And I said, I love that. So why don't you write to him about your day while he was gone? Here is a way that you can check in on what he's reading. You can write silly jokes. You can write like a secret message, like, don't say this out loud, but I'm going to let you stay up 30 minutes later than your brother tonight. Show them how amazing it is to be able to read by making it exciting, by pairing it with those things, 
like, ooh, a special treat or like, ooh, you got a secret message there. And let them see that it's not necessarily like an assignment you're giving them, but you're doing it too, because we want them to see this is so fun. This is such a big part of life. So why wouldn't you do it too? So whatever you ask your child to do, I would say the same thing. So first things first, don't make them read out loud to you. I'm going to share a couple of games that you can do instead to have them practice oral fluency. But I say, let them get lost in the book and love reading their own books. And I'll give you a couple other ways to build oral fluency and to check in on how they're reading to themselves. One of those things I like to do is um, take a Jenga game and write some short phrases on the Jenga pieces. And every time you pull one out, you read it, maybe put different accents in a bowl or different emotions. And so every time you pull a piece, you also pull an emotion. And so you read the sentence sad or excited or surprised or worried um, or rushed or really slow. Just get creative with it. There's no right or wrong way to do this. And remember, everyone that's playing is going to read, not just the person that, quote, needs practice or that's learning to read. Everybody's reading. Everybody's playing. Then at the end of the Jenga game, everybody's got, you know, 10 phrases on pieces in front of them and you read them as fast as you can. That's a great way to build oral fluency. Or have them write to you about their day, have them read about your day, and maybe, you know, you are busy making dinner or something. You could say, oh, could you read me what you wrote about your day? Um, I really want to read it and to talk about it at dinner, but I have to finish you know, making pasta. And so then it's not read out loud to me because you need to grow as a reader. It's like you're helping me out. It's all about the subtle shift in what you're asking for. So next, reading logs. Again, if your child loves it, that's great. In my experience, and I've worked with a lot of reluctant readers, uh, thousands to be not exact, um, over the years, but especially reluctant reader boys in second, third, fourth grade. I haven't found that they like reading logs. In fact, that's probably where people, kids have learned to lie because it teaches us to just kind of like get accomplish something or make it look like we accomplished something. But if our goal is to help kids love reading, that's not really helping. That's teaching them to accomplish. It's not teaching them the love of it. Now that doesn't mean that we don't have expectations and standards. That is there. These are not opposites. There is a whole world in between black and white. In fact, I actually just heard that black and white TVs aren't even black and white. It's a grayscale. So even black and white isn't black and white. There you go. So reading logs, what I like to do instead of a reading log is to say, I really want to learn about making pizza. Let's go to the library and look for books about making pizza. What do you want to learn about? Baseball? Oh, cool. Okay. You look for baseball books. I'll look for pizza books. Let's see what we learn. And then on Friday after camp, I'm going to pick you up and let's go out for ice cream and teach each other what we learned. So we have a goal there. You want to learn about something. And then you're going to go to the library, find those books and read them. 
if you want to keep track of the books, I like to keep track of the titles and be like, wow, look at how much we learned this summer. But keeping track and just teaching kids to accomplish, in my experience, has not worked with most kids. I, especially beginning readers, when we like teach them to just go through books and accomplish them, they're just trying to get to a checklist. They're not really processing what they're learning. They're not like feeling proud of themselves. I want them to say their goal. I want kids to be able to name their goal. When we hand kids a reading log, we're telling them our goal for them. I want kids to have goals for themselves and to think of solutions on how to get there. I want kids to feel successful and confident in choosing their own books and feel safe telling me, I actually don't really like this book or this book was too hard for me to read, but I did want to learn more about it. Could you read this one to me? If we set up the structure that like, no, you re- you checked out this book, you better finish it. Or you have a reading log to finish, go do your 20 minutes. We're slowly pairing in our brain, you know, neurons that fire together, wire together. So even though we think that, okay, this is helping them. They're mad at me, but this is helping them. They're growing as readers. They hate doing it, but I know this 20 minutes a day that they write it down, that's going to help them as a reader. Well, really what we're doing is we're firing the neuron in the brain that says, I hate this. When we fire opening up book, those things are wiring together. So we're actually doing the exact opposite of what we want, even though it feels like it's helpful. Of course, reading for 20 minutes is going to help. But if we have developed this connection, this pathway in our brain, it's not going to work. And remember that even if you've already wired these things together, we can still overcome it, but it's going to take a lot of patience with yourself and with your child. So even if you have a reluctant reader, I want you to remember, imagine fresh fallen snow. Okay. Like six feet. It's a huge snowstorm and you open your door and there's nowhere to go. You don't even have a shovel. So you're going to just walk through it. It's going to be really hard the first time and you're going to walk through it, go back home. You go to the store, you get milk, you come back home. So you've made a little path. It's not perfect, but you've made a little path. Okay. It's been a snowstorm for, you know, two months now. And so every day you go to the store, you go through that one path that you've made. That path becomes easier to go down. So you're automatically going to go down that path when you open your door, whether or not you need to go to the store. It's just the clear path. But what if you realize, actually, I don't need to go to the store. I need to take my dog to the vet. You're going to have to turn a different way when you walk out your door, but there's no path that way. So you walk through it, but the first time you walk through it is not going to be easy. You get back home, you open the door, you have two paths. One's really easy. You know, it's going to take you five seconds to get down that first path that you've gone every day for two months. But the second path is harder to walk through because you only did it once. This is what's happening in your brain and your child's brain. They've made that pathway. Reluctant readers have made that pathway, the one that takes no time at all to go down. They've made that pathway from walking it, you know, multiple times a day, every time in their brain that they've thought, I hate reading, or I'm not good at reading, or I'm not good at this, or I don't want to do this, or my parents are making me do this. Every time they've done that, they've 
they've made that path easier and easier to walk down. So even though they're not consciously choosing that path anymore, it's still the easier path. So until we make the other path in our brain as easy to get down, so that means we've practiced going down that path many, many times. So that means that we're going to need to practice it even when we don't believe it, you know, by showing them like, oh, it's okay that you don't like that book, or it's okay that that was too hard for you, or it's okay that you want to listen to this on audiobook. We're slowly rebuilding a new connection that isn't, I hate reading, I'm bad at reading, or reading is a chore, my parents make me read. And we're building that new connection to, oh, I'm curious about reading. Oh, I could read about something I like, like baseball. Oh, my parents aren't my enemy about reading. Oh, I can say when I need help. Oh, it's not so bad if I don't know how to read every word. Oh, my parents also don't know how to read every word. Oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Oh my gosh, I can try tricky things. Oh my gosh, this path is being smushed down. The snow is being smushed, smushed, smushed. And this becomes an as easy of a choice in the brain to just zip over to that path. But it takes a lot of work because remember, we've built this first path already. So rewiring to make it okay for your child to not do a reading log, to let them choose what they want to read or how they want to read is going to take some rewiring. So I like to say, if you have a reluctant reader, drop the reading log, drop everything you've been doing. And I promise you, this is not giving your child the easy way out. This is giving them an opportunity to rebuild their relationship with you and with reading. So we're going to say, actually, you're going to say nothing. What I want you to do is get a book on audio, on Audible, whatever audio source you listen to. I listen to Audible. Shout out to Audible because I love listening to books. I love it. Who doesn't love listening to books? It's so much easier for my busy life. So love that. Think about your child as if you would think about yourself. They're also busy. In fact, they might be busier than us. We are putting them in every sport, every camp, all the things. They've got school. They've got homework. They have a a huge social life. Can you imagine if you were with like 25 of your friends for eight hours a day? I would personally be exhausted. Yeah, it'd be fun. But also then like I'm trying to like manage understanding every person in my class and their feelings. And I have to navigate like, oh, the teacher didn't see. I wasn't really doing that. Now I'm in trouble. Oh my gosh. Oh, I have to behave in the hallway. There's so much that we're asking of kids. So anyway, kids are busy. Let them listen to audiobooks. This is not taking away reading, but if you do have a reluctant reader or someone that needs a little bit of rewiring, here's what I want you to do. Start by just picking an audiobook that you think that they'll like without them. Have it playing in the car or in the kitchen, like you're listening to it when you know that your child's going to be around. They might spark interest. They might not say anything. Either way is fine. If they start talking to you about it, oh, what's this? Oh, this is kind of interesting. Play it cool. Play it so cool. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I was just listening to this book. My friend Miss Beth recommended it. She said, and here's my secret, say a grade older than them. Oh, she said fourth graders love this book. So I just like wanted to hear about it because, you know, cousin Billy is in fourth grade and he might like it. Okay. Kids love to be like, wait a minute. I'm into this book and I'm not in fourth grade. I'm only in second grade. 
that's just one of my personal favorite things to do. Okay, slowly, you know, you have the audiobook playing. Maybe then the next time it's on, they start talking about it. You could say, oh, yeah, I think this is a series. Okay, so bonus points if you pick a book that has a series. Then say, oh, shoot, it's no longer available on the series. Wait a minute. On audio. Wait a minute. Maybe we can get the hard copy. Okay, then you start reading to them that hard copy or with them that hard copy. If they're able to read independently, have this idea, say, oh my gosh, should we read the next book together? Except for our schedules are kind of different. Maybe we both read it and then we write to each other about it. So now you're having kids do a reading assignment over the summer that they think is so fun because you're also doing the assignment. It's so special. It's so meaningful. Kids don't need us to be like hounding them and correcting them. They want to be connected to us. That's like after food and shelter, It's one of the most basic human needs is connection. So see how you can give them connection and also help them learn and grow. So then you say, okay, we're reading it together. Or maybe, maybe you say like, oh, we got one copy and you're reading it to them. And then think of, oh, shoot, I've got to, I've got to water the plants. And can you read me a little bit of it? And say this, say, I can't wait to hear what happens next. Don't say, will you read it out loud to me? Oh, this will help you grow as a reader. Make it about you. Show them, you know, how we talk to kids becomes their inner voice. Show them what someone who loves reading looks like. Oh, I can't wait to hear what happens to this character again. Oh my gosh, I loved that part. It was a little scary to me. I was I was kind of nervous or I actually stayed up too late last night because I wanted to read more. Can you please read a little bit more to me? I have so many things I need to do before I go to bed. And I just would love it if you read to me. I love being read to. Remind kids that it's okay to be read to. Uh, a big misconception is that kids that start to read don't need to be read to anymore. You should always be reading to your kids. So You read to them and then remind them how much you love to be read to and ask them to read it to you. So that's a little way if you really, really, really want to get their 20 minutes in, if you really, really need to have them read out loud, that's your little shift on how to help them feel good about it and not like they're doing a chore for you. But in fact, it's an exciting thing. It brings you so much joy. We love reading. Reading is connected to everything. And before you know it, they're going to be on the fourth book in the series independently under their own covers, staying up too late. And you're going to have to take the book away. So that's one of the things I like to do instead of reading logs. Um, That little shift of uh, from tell me what you learned or even like here's your reward for reading that much. You can still give the reward. But we're not saying, okay, you read 20 minutes every day for two weeks here's your reward. We're saying, if we both finish the book that we want to read, then let's go out for ice cream to talk about it. So we're not saying then you'll get ice cream for reading, but we're still pairing those neurons. We're firing them together and wiring them together. So it's a little shift from read to check off boxes so that you get a reward, but to the shift is to read because it's exciting. And then let's go get a treat to talk about our books. It'll change everything. I promise you. 
but remember kids want your connection more than they want to, well, a lot of kids don't really care about being the best, best reader. They just feel shame and afraid of not being the best. And that's not really helpful for anybody because if we're making them live in that fear or their nervous system is always activated because they're afraid they're going to get called on to read out loud or that they're constantly being criticized or quizzed, then they're not going to feel a lot of joy around it. And they're not going to be themselves and able to learn everything that they need to learn. So this isn't being too snowflakey or soft that we're not making kids read, but these little shifts from read and then you get a reward or read because you need to are going to rewire the brain to make them a bit more intrinsically motivated. So let's talk about correcting kids. There's absolutely a time and a place to correct kids. If you listen to, I think episode three talks about inventive spelling and kids that are learning to spell. I don't tell kids how to spell the word, but that doesn't mean that I don't correct them when they have learned the pattern in that word. So let me give you an example. The pattern is ER. They know that ER says er. By the way, R alone does not say er. Check my Instagram videos for more on this. But actually, I'll link it in the show notes. But if they've learned the er pattern and they're writing in their summer journal to me and they misspell er in a word and I know that they've learned that, then I'm going to say, oh, wait a minute. There's a couple words in here that follow the er pattern that I think you forgot about. Go back and check it. I'm not going to say this word is spelled wrong. I'm going to say, go back and check it because we want kids to self-correct. We want kids to know what to do when we're not there. So when we say fix this, they're just learning that you know how to fix mistakes and they don't. So I say, go back and check this pattern and have them look at their own work. Another way I like to help kids correct themselves is back to this journal where we're writing to each other. So they're writing about their day. You're writing about your day. I'm going to hold them accountable in a different way. So say there's a spelling pattern that you know that they've learned. Maybe it's EE. Feel. I'm going to, on purpose, spell some words wrong to draw attention to that pattern. So I might write to them and say, I hope you are excited to get ice cream with your team after camp today. And I'm going to spell cream and team EE. This is if they have learned the EE and EA pattern. And then I'm going to tell them when they read my journal, I'm going to say there are, I need you to be a super word detective. I spelled three words wrong that are the E pattern. See if you can find them. So then we're training their brain to look for their errors, your errors, which is going to be a useful skill for them to self-correct. So no, we are not ignoring errors. We are not 
teaching kids to be snowflakes. We're not um, letting kids be lazy. I've had a lot of parents say, I feel like they're being lazy. If your kid is struggling with reading, they are not being lazy. They have, I'm 99% sure, not been taught the appropriate way to learn how to read, the accurate, acceptable way that their brain needs to learn how to read. I don't think kids are just being lazy. There is always something else behind the academic struggle that we're seeing. So remember that kids need connection. There's a right way to connect them. And when we teach them to be intrinsically motivated rather than rewards motivated or checklist motivated, check, I read 20 minutes a day, but instead, ooh, I loved learning about this. I can't wait to share it with someone. I loved this book. I want to know more. We're setting them up for lifelong success. When we're teaching kids to just check off that they read 20 minutes a day on a reading log or just to read out loud to you 20 minutes a day, not only are we just teaching them, you know, this is the assignment I gave you, but we're also might be wiring their brain to have negative association with reading. So help them be internally motivated and set them up for lifelong success, not only in reading, but in school and in life, because these skills transfer over to so many things, relationships, communication. I mean, there's everything. If you can teach them to look inward, to self-correct, and to rewire their brain to have positive connections, you are setting them up for success forever. So I hope that helps. If you have um, any questions, please email, send me a message, leave them on this podcast. And if you're liking this podcast, please rate and review it. Uh, This is a passion project. This is not part of my job. I just want to be able to get as many free resources to parents, educators, and in turn, kids of the next generation so that we can make sure that every child is taught how to read the right way. Every child feels connection and belonging. And we make a more impactful world and change the way that kids go to school and kids learn and feel safe and successful. So thank you so much for being here. I'll see you next time.